0: Today for your listening pleasure we have an archive show first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy it. This article was first published on March 11th of 2012 under the headline Post-War Portland Turned Away Nat King Cole and Billie Holiday. Here we go. In 1945, someone had to tell Nat King Cole and Billy Holiday that they couldn't come and play in Portland after all. It seems that in an event that has to be one of the most short-sighted bits of municipal governance in Oregon history, the Portland city authorities had ordered the flagship nightclub of North Portland's wildly popular jazz scene, the Dude Ranch, shut down. And that was the end of one of Portland's most popular jazz clubs and one of the most fondly remembered. Apparently there had been a shooting nearby and city officials pretended that they thought it was related, but it was widely known what the real problem was. White girls and black boys and black girls and white boys were dancing together there, and Portland, like the rest of the state, was still a highly racist place in 1945. But that was changing fast, and it had a lot to do with places like the Dude Ranch. The Dude Ranch, for a brief shining moment at the end of World War II, was the epicenter of a jazz scene that put the rest of the West Coast to shame. Quote, there never was and never will be anything quite like the Dude Ranch, Robert Deetche wrote in his book, Jumptown. It was the Cotton Club, the Apollo Theater, Las Vegas, and the Wild West rolled into one. Portland's jazz scene, which is now a relatively forgotten story, got its start during World War II. After the war started, thousands of people from around the country were brought into North Portland to take jobs in the shipyards that were at the time pumping out Liberty ships by the hundreds. The wartime shipyard scene was one of those glorious moments in which people who formerly didn't like each other very much are put together by forces beyond their control, united by a common goal, and more or less forced to work side by side on a winning team, until one day they realize they actually rather like one another after all. When these shipyard comrades went out on a Friday or Saturday night to have a good time, they were not going to go someplace where some of them weren't welcome. At the time, discreet signs that read white trade only were common sights in Portland. A mixed-race group of shipyard workers was no more likely to set foot in one of these places than the Rat Pack would have been. I mean, seriously, can you imagine Frank, Dean, and Joey going into Waddle's Diner for pie and coffee and leaving Sammy waiting by the door like a dog? Unthinkable. It was the same way with groups of buddies from the shipyards. Their attitude was, if one of us is unwelcome, kiss us all goodbye. So they often ended up hanging out together in one of the at least ten clubs in the area of Williams Avenue and what's now the Rose Quarter. These clubs were part of a thriving and booming music scene that had a particular appeal for African-American jazz legends. And in that scene, the Dude Ranch was first among equals. A few years later, an integrated group of clean-cut entertainers at the Sands in Las Vegas would play off this scene, relaxing on stage like four old army buddies, yucking it up and having a few drinks together, regardless of skin tones. In the mid-40s, the real thing was playing out, not only in North Portland and Vanport, but across the country. Shipyard workers and returning soldiers may have played and socialized together, regardless of race, but in the rest of Portland, attitudes were still far less cosmopolitan. Racism wasn't just a city hall thing. It would take a humanitarian disaster in 1948, the flooding of Vanport, to break down many of these walls. In 1945, most Portlanders still didn't want black people moving into their neighborhoods. Come to think of it, in 1965, 1975, that was still going on. Progress was certainly not instantaneous. So Portland's new African-American residents mostly set up housekeeping in the Albina area, around Williams and Vancouver Avenues, and in Vanport. After the war ended, hordes of returning servicemen starved for entertainment crowded into town, and these fellows found what they wanted on Williams Avenue. The population density was off the charts. Finding a place to stay was nearly impossible. Movie theaters were turned into impromptu bunkhouses. People crashed on each other's couches. The streets were full of people with money in their pocket and no place to go, and the nightclubs were packed 24 hours a day. The Dude Ranch, according to Professor Michael McGregor of Portland State University, rose to prominence largely because its owners, Sherman Pickett and Pat Patterson, Pick and Pat they were called, seemed capable of, quote, booking anybody, quote, But though Lionel Hampton, Art Tatum, and the Nat King Cole Trio appeared in later days, no night ever equaled that night of December 1945 when Norman Grants brought his touring jam session, Jazz at the Philharmonic, to town, McGregor writes. That night, legendary saxophonist Coleman Hawkins led the group that included trombonist Roy Eldridge, bassist Al McKibben and a 25-year-old pianist with a lightning-like right hand who was soon to usher in the bebop age, Thelonious Monk. And then there were the impromptu appearances, including one evening when Louis Armstrong just happened to show up on his way from somewhere else. Inside the dude ranch, the cowboy theme was played to the hilt. The waitresses wore cowgirl outfits with fake six-shooters. There were murals showing cowboys riding and roping all over the walls, and the world-class jazz was only the beginning of what you might find there. Burlesque, quote-unquote, shake dancers, ventriloquists, comics, jugglers, singers, tap dancers, all these, according to Dicha, were in the lineup as well. Like all such shining moments, it couldn't last. It certainly didn't help that Pick and Pat got put out of business. They soon opened up at a different location, but it was never the same, and the local jazz scene was starting to cool down a bit by then anyway. Today it's all gone, bulldozed and cleared to make room for Memorial Coliseum on the interstate freeway. Gone, that is, except for one building, the one that used to house the Dude Ranch. It's straight ahead of you as you drive across the steel bridge, a wedge-shaped building on the corner just a few hundred yards north of Memorial Coliseum. Standing there on that corner, looking back and forth between the funky, historic little brick building and the massive, impersonal Coliseum, it's funny to think about how much the world has changed since 1946. Back then, when somebody like Billie Holiday came to Portland, she booked a show in that historic little brick building on your left. someone of that caliber came today, she'd be playing in the Mammoth Cement Hall on your right. I'm not sure I'd call that an improvement. Would you? Key sources in this article included works by Robert Deitcha, Michael McGregor, and the Oregon Historical Society. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficarra. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon history episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now.